Coming up, ahead of a match with Edge with particularly high expectations, the Viper stops by to spit some venom. ATB starts now. Welcome, welcome, welcome to After the Bell. I am still Corey Graves, and I am still very excited for my guest today, one of my all-time favorite competitors to watch. I'm sure you have an opinion one way or another, and I'm not particularly sure that he cares, which is why I like him. So I'll ask him all the good questions. My guest at this time, the Viper Randy Orton. Randy, we are just days away from what is being billed as the greatest wrestling match ever against your longtime friend-turned-rival Edge. Uh, what's it feel like to you? What does it mean to you to be the first program that Edge is in since returning after nine years off? First of all, thanks for having me, Corey. Oh, my pleasure, man. Anytime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is cool. Um, this match is going to be awesome. And WrestleMania was awesome for so many reasons um, and different. And, uh, you know, the first time in history and without an audience, you know, there are so many weird things going on, different variables that we had to deal with as performers. But as far as who I was able to work with, who I was able to wrestle with, it couldn't have got any better for me. Edge is one of the guys coming up that took me under his wing. And, and all the, the promos and the stuff that we've done, there was a lot of realism to it. Um, a lot, Like the, the story I told Beth about when I first was brought backstage, Edge was the first guy that approached me and the first guy that wished me luck. Like all, all that is true. And um, so I have a lot of history with Edge in the ring and out. We used to drive up and down the road together. Even that was true. But knowing that I was his top pick, to come back and get into the ring after almost 10 years with the, the, the all the injuries he's had, including the neck surgery. That right there, you know, that that's probably the greatest compliment I could ever get, you know, in this business, in this line of work. I have a lot of injuries. So when I'm working with certain guys, you know, I have to be a little leery because some of these young guys just come out of the NFL, like they don't know how hard they punch. They don't right. know how hard that shoulder tackle is. Like I'm not in full gear on a football field getting tackled like we got to do this 200 times a, a year yeah so no no one edge considered me to be the safest guy he could work with and also have a story with that we could capitalize on that that really uh made me feel quite well to be honest with you i i uh was very honored that edge wanted to work with me first to kind of see feel things out for the first time after 10 years and I think what, what made it stand out so much in the lead up to WrestleMania was the, the promos and the, the reality behind it. And I, I didn't realize that that much of it was even true. Um, so right. to be able to draw from real life and, and lead to the climax or what we expected to be the climax at WrestleMania. I want to ask you, I had Edge on the show a few weeks ago and he discussed your guys' match at WrestleMania, Last Man Standing. It's a totally different environment. You've been around this business for a long time and done just about everything there is to do. But now you're performing at WrestleMania in front of no people. But you also have the luxury of creativity. Right. What were your thoughts going into and on the backside of WrestleMania? Going into it, I thought, man, this is going to suck. The fans, as you know, Corey, are a huge part of what we do. The bumps hurt less. It's easier to tell a story when your audience is there. You know, sure. How are we going to react off these fans if they're not there? But the creativity side... Edge and I were able to 
kind of look at the building and decide, oh, wait, we can go over here. We can go over here. The stipulation of the max, the last man standing stipulation made it to where we at least were going to be different. Of course, uh, AJ and Undertaker were different, the whole cinematic experience, um, which Bray Wyatt and me did first in the House of Horrors most recently, but everyone kind of did on it, you know, but I feel like if it happened during the pandemic, it would have been the coolest thing ever. <laughs> I talked to Christian about that same thing because he mentioned he brought that match up and I, I called that pay-per-view, whatever it was on. Uh, but yeah. I think what was weird was it took the fan, the viewers from a live audience to this kind of off, you know, the set, this different environment, it was right. like a glaring difference. Whereas this, the whole sure. show, it, it, it became refreshing to go off-site. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and you're right. You're right. You're right. Cena and Bray, like like all these guys were able to have something different. You know what I mean? And sure. Us being able to use anything, have anything to use at our disposal, what, what really made it uh, refreshing for us because we weren't going to be stuck in this empty arena match that everybody else was having. Like, you know, nothing against uh, Goldberg and Braun. But I remember standing in the wings watching and just thinking like, oh, it's poor. Like, just there's no fans. Like, it's, yeah. it's just I'm in Braun, you know, Braun. And it's like, how do you fire up when there's no fans? How do you know when the right time to fire up is? Or how do you know when to cut a guy down? And at Backlash, Edge and I are going to have a similar problem in the ring. And I know from what I see, they have some NXT guys ringside. But I don't even know how I feel about that. I will say personally, just calling the shows, it, it definitely was a step in the right direction having NXT guys or the performance center guys around ringside just right. because there was some reaction. So it didn't feel right. quite as sterile. But I, I mean, it's still, it's different from me calling a match on the outside versus taking bumps when there's no people in there. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, I've, I've seen a few of the shows um, and, and you can hear the fans on the outside behind the plexiglass and, and, and it, it does help. It does help, but nothing is going to compare to uh, a sold out show at backlash, wherever it would have been and hearing that crowd. So we've got that going on. And then we've also the, uh, the greatest rib in the history of professional wrestling. We were supposed to have the greatest wrestling match ever. And, and that's like, man, all right, like, listen, okay, sh- it's, it's going to be good. It might be great, but greatest? Holy shit! I don't yeah. want to sell myself short. But like, and and Edge is awesome, and and I don't I don't want to on it before it happens. But damn, we we've, we've got the odds stacked up against us. But I, I think if there's any two guys that could go out there and possibly have the greatest match ever, I think it's Edge and I. But but I, I know uh, I've been getting a lot of hard times uh, on social media, and even from the guys in the back, like you know what, what what's this greatest wrestling match ever? I'm like I know, you know, what are you gonna do? But but we, we, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. You know, I haven't thrown an arm drag or given a hip toss in probably 15 years. Um, <laughs> but, but I'm gonna try. Damn it, I'm gonna try. Just everything you can think of, just let it all fly. Yeah. Both of you yeah, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, right. I got a drop toe hold. Uh, maybe a, a schoolboy. I'm trying to th- a top wrist lock, hammer lock. That's about it for the wrestling. It served you well <laughs> to this point. So I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've done all right. I've done, I, I don't. I don't know how the f- I did it, Corey, but I've done all right. I've done all right. <laughs> <laughs> so all right. In fact, I have to ask you: Did you actually buy a plane, or was that a social media stunt? I, I did not buy a plane. I. Uh... <laughs> I mean, you set the world on fire overnight with one <laughs> with one photo. I came home and my wife goes, "What the f- 
did you say you bought a plane for? And I was like, <laughs> what do you mean? She's like, look at your social media. And, and I had had it, you know, I was flying home after TV. It was a private plane. I had a few drinks and I, you know, we were about to take off and I was just like, oh, look at that. You know, took a picture and I'm thinking of a comment and, you know, it's, it's my social media. So I got to try and put the word in there somewhere. So I, I, I fucking around, bought a plane, hashtag greatest rib ever <laughs> something like that right <laughs> and uh so i don't want to call a bunch of guys out but but I, I got a couple dozen of the guys and a couple close friends they they text me hey congrats on the plane but the biggest pop i got was uh undertaker texted me and he was like yeah some play checkers you're playing chess congrats on the plane kid and I was like, oh. <laughs> the one guy that would have surely seen through it <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh no, and uh, uh, but I, of course, I let everybody know I was just f-ing around. And, but but it was fun. That's what social media is for, you know. When when you know, most of the time, anyway, having fun. And that's how I like to use it. And you you've been doing a great job with it, and and you and your wife Kim are seemingly once or twice a week pop up on my timeline doing something. Obviously, quarantines made everybody a little crazy and adventurous. How are you guys keeping each other occupied? Well, we have five children, so. So we, we are we are very busy, especially having to be stuck in the house. What we've started to get out, you know, the other day we went out, uh, the, a playground opened up down the street and no one was there. It turned out it was closed. But, you know, um, I have a problem with authority. So we just went under the sign and we ended up playing on the playground and no park rangers came by and kicked us off, you know, like, like that. But we, we're I'm blessed. We have a pool. We have uh, seven acres. We got stuff to do. A couple summers ago, I put a zip line in the backyard. Uh, oh, we cool. have a, a big, big trampoline and like, uh, you know, bike riding, going on hikes. There, there's, there's to do. And then we're blessed that we have those options. My, my two older boys, all they need is their mobile device and they're good. But that's par for the course. But the little ones, I can get them outside. And, you know, we're, we're, we're looking for wildlife. You know, it's warming up. There's critters outside. There's always something to do. Watch a movie at night. You know, we, me in particular, I'm, I'm very much a homebody when I'm home. So it's not like him and I are used to going out and clubbing on the weekends or anything. I'm right. a 40-year-old man with five kids. Like, like I just, and I, I feel like you're probably the same way. When, when you're home, and you're with your girl, like you just want to sit on the couch and, and, and yep. fetch, you know, you, you might have some run some errands, but like that time, that, that, that relaxation time, especially when the kids go to bed, man, there's, there's nothing else like that. And maybe that just no, I totally agree with shows you, man. how, how old I'm getting. Mella and I, we ribbed ourselves. We had after this, the crazy run after the Royal Rumble and, and, you know, just standard business. Uh, we actually found ourselves with, I think, five days off where we didn't have to get oh. on an airplane prior nice. to the pandemic kicking in. So we're like, you know what? Right, let's right, just right. sit at home for this week and let's do nothing. Let's not go out to let's right. get a word of takeout. Little did we know yeah. that five days later, it wasn't going to be an option anymore. So we're like, right. we have one week of one week of quarantine on everybody. And so this is the first time we, we live downtown in, in, this, like in the city of Pittsburgh, right downtown okay. by the stadiums and the arenas and all that sort of stuff, which oh, wow. when the city's open is incredible. But here we are now in this beautiful place, right downtown in the middle of everything, and you can't do anything. Right. It's yeah, like a tease. Yeah. You walk down, you know, we've been, you know, on the bike trails and, and things like that and take my kids out sure. and, and trying to keep ourselves occupied. But it's one of those ones where I go, uh, maybe we should have gone for something with a little space as opposed to <laughs> a downtown <Yeah>. apartment. 
Yeah, that's tough. And, and, and you know, like I went with my wife early on to like, uh, you know, to Target, uh, wore the mask, wore the gloves. But you see so many people not wearing the mask. Right. And then it makes me think like, like, I just don't know what to think. But, you know, better safe than sorry. And, and we've got the little ones, you know, we have uh, both my parents and her parents come around. But for that entire time, if they came over once, once it warmed up outside, we would just all sit outside and, and maintain six feet or so and you know avoid hugs and but it's uh it's it's been weird like it's weird like my my son michael graduates this year he's graduating in in, in a few weeks technically and um in his senior year there's 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 no prom you yeah know what i mean there's none of that stuff even graduation i think is going to be like what we're doing now and like this zoom call you know um, that's crazy uh, yeah what a weird and and you know years from now it'll be a story to tell, but like, it's, it's, it's sad to see how this happened. And it's just, there's, you hear so many things in the news about why it happened or, or what we need to do to make it better. Or, you know, let's shut down everything for a few weeks, but then you see everyone at the beach and then you just wonder, but then you hear about, you know, people losing their lives in these nursing homes. And it's like, it's, it's scary. And, but and then you see people like kind of, ah, you know, we'll be fine. And I was one of those people, but then you saw the the, the death toll started rising, right? And especially in New York, where where Kim's from, all her family's up there. Like uh, her her stepfather, I think knows a handful of people that actually lost their lives. So for him, it hit home real quick. And when it that started to happen, it made me realize, like you know, this is this is some serious we're dealing with. Yeah, you know, it's easy yeah. when it's not happening to you. Like it's like, oh, it's no big deal, but. Man, the flu sucks. I couldn't imagine having something like that. That that was you didn't know which way you know what was going to happen when it was all said and done. It, it's just it's a scary time, and it sucks to see everyone having to deal with it in their own way. But uh, I, I think we're getting through it, wouldn't you say? I hope so. It certainly appears that there's at least light at the end of the tunnel. I mean, I know my yeah. my city should be reopening hopefully here in a couple of days if everything goes according to plan. Whether or not that stays sustained, we'll see. I know my my younger sister is actually a, a traveling nurse, so she's oh, wow. just outside of Dallas, and she's been telling me some stories and and just the stuff she's had to deal with to just to go over and above. But uh, it's it's right, kind of cool right. when you can see you know everybody sort of stick together for the most part to to kind of weather this thing out to the best of our right. ability. Of course, I mean my my oldest son is about to be twelve, and I don't think there's been this many massive events where I've been able to go, hey, you're going to remember this someday, and starting with, right. with the, the pandemic. And and now there's protests everywhere. I mean, my city was yeah. pretty pretty destroyed a few days ago. It was. I mean, I was looking out my front window and saw cops and SWAT teams and the whole deal. And it, it was, it was a, it's a wild time to be alive, you know what I mean? And, and it is just yeah. to step back and look at it for what it is. I mean, I, I took him outside and I just said, hey, man, this this is what's happening. Nothing to run from. Be Just be aware of everything, you know what I mean? And, and right. Just, Right. Just be there and kind of use it as a learning experience. I think we can all learn from it. You know what I mean? Even as, as adults, as grown adults, as parents, it's like, hey, let's let's For learn sure. from this and not make the same mistakes again. Well, well, yeah. And, and a lot of this, shit, like you, you learn it in, in, in the home growing up. You know, us as parents have a huge responsibility to teach our kids right from wrong, you know, and, and we know the difference. But then you get an adult that don't, you know, know his in the hole in the ground and he's got some kids like it's it's scary to think what some of these kids are learning at home and and it's it's uh man social media is wild i i don't post that much i do get on every day you know when i when i sit on the 
in the morning, every morning when I wake up, I spend about an extra 10 minutes just fucking scrolling down and seeing what's going on. And, and like you said, last few weeks, man, uh, my jaw has dropped. But even as a parent with five young kids, like I, I've, I've learned a lot too. So, so like, I think uh, learning experience, like 100% and, and hopefully that'll bring about, you know, change. But, but I think when it comes down to it, like there's always going to be out there. Sure. 10 billion people in the world, give or take. I don't even know what the official number is anymore, but percentage wise, you're going to have a handful of it's scary to think where we are now, where we were and like, well, where are we going to be in another decade? Where are we going to be in another 50 years when our kids are, are grandparents? Last time I had you on the show, we discussed some of the guys that you had had your eye on. And you said you were looking forward to kind of stepping into that mentorship role. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. During, during all this, this change and, and the different empty arena environments and everything, have, have you had a chance to really you know, lean into any of that? Kind of a side note. Um, yeah. I haven't been around a lot. I, I saw one kid. I think his name's RJ City is his his his, his, uh, his Twitter handle. Do you know what yeah, I'm talking about? yeah, I know exactly yeah, what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah, entertaining kid. I've never seen him wrestle, but but he had something funny to say a couple of weeks ago, and he said, "Why is it every old timer says the same thing to me when I ask them for uh, advice on the business? They all say just slow down, and it's like I laughed because that's me. <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> all. Hey, Randy, can you can you watch my match? And I'm like, sure, I watched the match, and then. And then what, what did you see? And I'm like, you just got to slow down. Like I'm the old timer that has nothing to say. Other than just, <laughs> just, just slow, slow down, down kid. Um, I, I, I've been watching TV. I've been watching a lot of NXT, which I didn't do before. And they have so many guys that are talented, but, but what I noticed the other day, and, and I, I don't want to bury anybody. I don't want to, well, I do, but, but, um, but I'm not, <laughs> I, uh, I saw a match between two guys that did so much cool. And, and as I was watching it, I'm thinking in my head, Oh, if they would have just let that breathe and let, you know what I mean? The people at home get with it, you know, but it's, it's hard. There's no fans as we were talking about, but when the match was over, my wife looked at me and, and she's got a good eye for this too, you know? And she goes, you know, they did so much cool. And I can't remember one thing specifically that they did. Right. And I was like, yeah, that's it, you know, and, and it's, it's building to those moments and doing the cool when the time is right, instead of just cool, 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 finish. It's funny. That's, that's been like a recurring theme of most of the interviews I've done lately from, from Cena to edge Christian, yeah. all these guys talking about how it's the moments that everybody remembers here. You are right. echoing those sentiments. And I know Cena credited to be able to work with that last generation that preceded you guys. Right. With oh, you know man. JBL and Eddie Guerrero and Umaga and that whole crew, would you say that's the same? Or is there anyone in particular that stands out to you that, that helped you kind of learn? Cena said, "Learn to play jazz." Right. Well, there's you know you can't think in the moment if you're remembering a hundred percent of the match. But what happened from point A to B to C, we didn't talk about it, you know. And I think that's what made and and some people loved that match. Some people hated it. Some people said it was too long. I thought it was a good story, uh, especially considering the stuff we did prior in the ring on the stick. Um, it felt so real to me. But you you got to ad lib out there a little bit, 
And I think the last time we talked, it was it was those small things, right? Are the, the little like things, yes. The the yeah, the little things are what people remember. And uh, I watched a lot of WWE Network the last couple months and caught up on a lot. Watched some of my old matches that I haven't seen in a while, and and just seeing like a match from 10, 15 years ago, and remembering like, oh, I remember like when that happened because I remembered that we slowed it down. And I, you just saw like a look on my face and it's like, Oh, that was, that was awesome. But it wasn't some double, you know, moonsault off a cage. It was like just a facial expression, but that's the, when you're done and you come back through gorilla, you know, Vince calls you over and he says, you know, gives you a thumbs up. So, Oh, that was great. You know, I didn't, I didn't kill anybody. I didn't kill myself, but it's, it's the storytelling and, and it's, it's so hard. I feel like I'd be the worst coach in the world. People ask me, when, when you're done, do you, do you want to be an agent? It's like, oh my God, no way. Like, like, do you want to open a wrestling school? Like, I don't even know how I would begin teaching somebody about this. It, it, it did come naturally to me. And, and I do have a respect for it, of course. And, and I love doing it. Sometimes it's a pain in my ass, but, but it's, when it comes down to it, this is what I am. And, and I feel like if I could just figure out how to help these younger guys get a little better, each of them, you know what I mean? And, and yeah. more or less, yeah. more or less. But, but I, I remember a time where no one did a super kick because that was Sean Michaels. That was finish. Sean's move, right. I, f- I feel like there's a super kick in every match now. I completely agree. Austin Theory. Never, never met him before the uh, Corona thing had just started. I was down in um, the PC and, you know, everyone's staying apart. A few people have masks on. No one's shaking hands. And Austin Theory comes up to me to shake my hand. And I just kind of look at him, you know, and I give him a little, you know, like, what are you doing? Like, nah. And I, I give him one of the little elbow taps. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and he laughs and I could tell, you know, he was, he was new, he was young and he was trying to not say the wrong thing. But he asked me, he goes, Hey, I want to start doing this move. And it ends up in a similar position, kind of like a, a cutter, you know? And I, I think he picks the guy up like a fireman's carry, spins him around and does a cutter. And, and I was so taken back that this kid took the time and had the respect and the wherewithal to ask me if it was okay with me. For him to do that yeah before i could even think about what the right answer should be i said yes oh my god are you kidding me he came to me and he asked me that that's i don't know if that's ever happened i i see a lot of a lot of guys doing variations of other guys moves and it's just like that was just such a huge no-no like i feel like the way that it used to be for me when i was at that stage is so different now it's like i almost don't know how to navigate anymore when i'm trying to help out younger talent because right. my advice would be don't do anyone else have your own don't let anyone kick out of your finish get your top moves over you know like that but now i feel like everyone needs 50 moves and they don't stop and it's a it's a race to the finish line every time yeah i think maybe it's it's i don't know if it's a generational thing or a, a culture within the business sort of thing but it's definitely different than it used to be it used to i remember when i got signed to fcw in 2011 you didn't even think about on an fcw live event in palaka florida doing anything that anybody on tv did because it was so right right protected. right and no one was going to see what we were doing at the time anyway but that was kind of how it was right. just ingrained in all of us like it's of sacred. Course. Don't do anybody else's stuff. Of course. And and I think what you said that uh, Cena said about that generation of guys that he was able to work with, he learned so much from. Uh-huh. 
And, and there's so many guys that helped me along the way. You know, when I first started, I had a few matches with Christian, uh, Lance Storm. And this is like in 2001, maybe 2002. Just incredible old ECW guy. Like, sure. like a lot of guys took care of me. Uh, Scotty Tuhati, who I think is or was a trainer down. In, yeah, he's uh, in the, in the, the performance PC. center. Yeah, correct. Point is, is he took care of me. And, and once I got called up and once I was in evolution, I had Triple H and Ric Flair. I see a lot of people that say like, oh, Horton makes it look so easy. I ain't doing shit out there. It's how I carry myself. It's, it's my demeanor. It's the confidence I have in myself. I'm the most insecure person you ever did meet. But when I'm out there, I won't let anyone know that, yeah. you know, until they hear this podcast, they have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> There's an art to what we do. And I feel like slowly but surely that art is getting lost. Do I know how to write a book to teach all these young guys coming up on how to get that back? No, I don't. But being in the ring with guys is, is, is a way that I can help. Watching a match, I can do my best. You know, I can give them my spiel and say everything I've been saying to you. And, and some will get it, some won't. But, but the fact is, is I like being in that position now. I was tell, as I was telling you the last time we talked, I like being in that position now because it's fun to see the light bulb go off for guys. What do you credit that to? Like your change in, in your mindset and demeanor? I mean, you, you had a bit of a reputation in your early years for, for being a little hard to handle. Rand, just sure. Randy being Randy, which and yeah, yeah. you really embraced this sort of mentorship role and, and this experienced veteran role within WWE. What do you credit that to? I think just uh, getting older, making mistake after mistake, uh, being very lucky and fortunate enough to have the right guys in my corner to where I kept my job and I was given a second, third, and even fourth chance to other guys. I'm sure it wasn't very fair. You know, after all that happened, if the least I can do is clean up my act and give back, you know, that's the least I can do after, after all the up I did throughout my career. Whenever I went to the ring, I would want to steal the show. I would want to have a good match. But backstage, I think sometimes I had that like false bravado, like I, you know, like my didn't stink. And I probably wasn't as nice to crew guys as I could have been. And, you know, but when it came to the boys, like I always respected the boys. I think it was, it was the, uh, you know, the, the guy behind the counter at the rent-a-car place at the airport is who I was a to like right, I, right. I just and 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 i feel like that's kind of a personal thing with me like i've always kind of had uh a little bit of a you know authority problem i, th I thought you were going to say you've always hated rental car counter agents <laughs> well that that too, this lifelong that too. disdain <laughs> hey listen they can really be <laughs> but but i i think mainly having kids growing older and just you know you get wiser with age and, yeah and I think that that's one of the one of the main reasons why I kind of just straightened up, and it, it feels good to give back to the business that's given me so much. Well, you yourself mentioned if if it's an insecurity thing, I mean that's a natural that's a natural cover up that extra bravado. I mean, I think everybody goes sure. through that. The cool thing is that you know it, you you realize it and come to terms with it and address it and, and move forward. And yeah. one of my favorite quotes in the world is from Henry Rollins. He said, "Half of life up, the other half's dealing with it." Yeah, yeah, he's right.
What else is Randy Orton keeping himself occupied with these days outside of WWE? I'm really curious. I'm, I'm in this new kick now where I'm like, I've heard every interview that could possibly be done about wrestling. And now I'm right, like, what do you want to talk right. about? <laughs> right, right, right. Matt, well, you know, like I'll, I'll do the occasional audition. I, I've got a, a company that'll send me auditions from out in California. And, and to be honest, like wrestling is what I enjoy doing. I'm not looking to be a full-time actor. Uh, you look at Dave Batista, he went out to Hollywood and he, he hustled, yeah. hustled his off hundreds and hundreds of auditions. I'm not moving out to Cali and doing auditions every week and going around and meeting casting agents and trying to network my way into getting a role. That's right. just not me. So I'm really happy where I am. Um, I think that I do those auditions occasionally just because I don't want to all of a sudden be an old, old timer and wonder, you know, what if I would have tried this or what if I would have tried that? But as far as like, what am I doing to keep myself busy? Like I've got a uh, three, 10, 12, 15 and 17 year old at home. Enough said. <laughs> we don't have a nanny. We don't have a groundskeeper. Like uh, I go out there with my 15 year old and help him pick up dog every couple of days. I'm like, uh, I'm the husband that works around the house and fixes and like the wife needs 10 things hung because she went to home goods and bought all these cool picture frames. Guess what? I'm hanging pictures, you know, that couch time at night when we're watching Netflix, when all the kids are in bed, that's what I yearn for when I'm home after a long, hard day. But today, after you and I are done doing this, I'm going to go out and play in the pool with my three-year-old and, and try to teach her how to swim, which we've been doing a little more and a little more and a little more. We just got this new uh, floaty that doesn't have the arms and it, 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 it helps her, but a little less than her last device. Okay. That, so like the next step. Her, yeah. The next step. Yeah. And um, so I'm excited. Like, that's what I'm excited about doing today. You know what I mean? And, and then I think my wife's going to barbecue and like, that's how I'm spending my time enjoying my life for, for a very long time. I was never home. Even when I met Kim, the year I met Kim, I was on the road wrestling um, more than I had ever wrestled. So I think it was 222 matches. So, so that right there means I was on the road for you know, 275, 280 days, easy, yeah. give or take, you right. know, close to 300. So now that, that number is so much lower each year, just because that's how things have turned out. So I'm not looking for more to keep me busy. I'm enjoying my time home. We're, we're going to do some renovations around the house. Like, like I'm just, I'm just a dude enjoying life, man. And yeah. I feel like and, and enjoying the fruits of my labor for so long. You know, I, I've, I've been in WWE for a half of my existence. You know, I grew up in the wrestling world. Um, money wasn't like it is now back then. So I'm able to help my folks out. You know what I mean? Sure. I'm, I'm able to do take care of my people. And I, I feel really good about that. But enjoying the fruits of my labor after so long, 3,000 or so matches, like, you know, I, I, don't, I don't need to keep myself busy. I've been busy enough. I, I noticed that's a pretty common thread of, amongst everybody in in our company, particularly or in the business as a whole. You work and you grind and you scratch and claw and you're hoping for like this crazy superstardom and you want all this. You want you want the world. And then right. once once you have a, at least a little bit of it, you can go, oh, man, I just kind of want to be a dude. I just kind of want to be normal. I, I'm with you. Yeah. I'm the same way. I, I don't want to go out and do anything extravagant. I don't need to go on vacation. I'm happy just 
just being, man. It, it's taking right, a long time, right. you know, 36 years for me to get to this point where I'm okay with, you know, where I'm at. Sure. And, and not everybody's like that. Like I, I, there's guys like Cena and, and these super successful guys uh, that just have an unbelievable, uh, an unbelievable amount of hustle. Right. Rock, Batista, Cena. And I mean, there's a common thread with all of them that they're all highly successful. So like I see that and I used to like fight, you know, I have the inner turmoil with should I try and do that? Should I just try and live this this fame and fortune aspect of life that I've been blessed with having the opportunity of, of, of doing, of having? And it's like, I, it took me some time too, Corey, but I realized like, I, I just want to do what makes me happy. Like I'm, I'm a fairly simple guy, but I think when it comes down to it, I'm very complex, like up here. And, and I, I don't necessarily mean that in a good way. So I, yeah. I, I just need, well, a, I, some, I can relate. <laughs> I, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I just need to even out and like be around people that truly care about me. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't mind signing autographs if I go to a restaurant with my family, but being videotaped while we're eating and, you know, being heckled across the parking lot as we're walking to the car, like, sure. you know, that shit I used to like, oh, you know, but now it's like, now nah, I don't want to, uh, you know, I don't want to be on display. I, I don't think unless you've dealt with that, you really understand it when it's said, but, but it's, there is something to be said about how that makes it hard. But again, on the flip side, I think some people live for that. Yeah. I'm just yeah. not, I'm just not one of them. Yeah, I agree. It's it's a weird like a validation, like a constant search for validation from that a lot right. of people are after. And it's like, well, okay, I've I've been validated enough, man. As long as my my loved ones love me back, uh, I'm with you. You know, right? Very very cool. All right, man. Well, I will not keep you anymore because you have a pool and a three year old to teach how to swim and a uh, right. lovely compound to enjoy. So I appreciate yeah. you hanging out, man. Again, um, always welcome here and. Uh, Hopefully one of these days we can just grab a couple beers and not have to talk into microphones on computers and just uh, shoot the shit, man. I, I don't think as many times as I'd we've like talked that. and got to, gotten like to know that. each other, yeah. man, I'd really like to, you know, sit down off camera. You, you seem like a cool and, and I, I, I got to kick myself in the because I know you had AJ on a couple weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. It, it aired a couple weeks ago. So I wanted to somehow segue to um how aj is a flat earther <laughs> he thinks the earth's flat and and i i know that uh that's just a really comical topic to talk about and i give him shit about it and he hates it so i just had to get that yeah i wasn't sure if it was just a rib no it's not a rib he thinks the earth's flat I almost yeah. brought that up to him because I've heard that uh, a million. I think I've heard you bust his balls about it, but I've never yeah. actually had a conversation with him. I, uh, I, I'll I will tell you what I, I know. I know that the subject was brought up. We were in the locker room in Philadelphia. I know this. For, I remember yeah. like it was yesterday and somehow the topic of that came up and I was talking about this, this a documentary called zeitgeist. It's, it's all sorts of weird conspiracy theories. And we started sure. watching it and he started like, he was standing behind me and he was getting like worked up watching as all this these different crazy things yeah they yeah. had to leave but i remember like i was more entertained watching aj watch this stuff this documentary than actually the documentary itself but uh yeah now that i know that i'll keep He's that doing my hair pocket. Flip, getting hot yeah <laughs> yeah oh please do please do. I, I definitely think <laughs> that the public will enjoy that so all right man well i'll let you go i appreciate you hanging out you got it brother thank you alas the saddest moment of the show has arrived 
But before you leave and hang your head, because there's no more ATB this week, I'm going to leave you with a little bit of zen, as I often do. I've been talking for weeks about this stoicism kick that I've been on, reading all sorts of things. Here's some more. It's from Marcus Aurelius. He said, today I escaped anxiety, or no, I discarded it because it was within me, in my own perceptions, not outside. There's some zen for you. I'm full of it. Thank you one more time to Randy Orton for stopping by ATB. Follow us at After the Bell WWE on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and join the conversation. Use the hashtag After the Bell. I say this each and every week, and I will continue until it is the greatest podcast in the history of the world. If you're using Apple Podcasts, shoot me five stars, please. And if you're using an Android, follow ATB on Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, or Google Podcasts, and never miss an episode. If you missed one, you can go back and listen to it anyway. That's what smart people do. You can follow me at WWE Graves. I don't know if that's ever a wise decision, but I got to throw it out there anyway. I'll be back next week with more wisdom, more vitriol, and more WWE after the bell.